0: Are we ready to go? Okay. We're going to get started here, folks. Good morning, everybody. Hi. So nice to see so many folks here this early in the morning showing up for education. I'm very pleased and honored to be moderating this panel this morning. With, I'll start on my far left here with David Butler from Artist Works and Devi Cavalier from Berkeley Music and Matt Sandler here from Chromatic. And I'm Greg Gordon. My company's called Pyramind. And obviously, we're going to be talking about online learning this morning. How many of you folks out here have taken an online class before? Good. And how many of you have taken an online class in music learning before? All right. And how many of you have taken an online class from any one of these three companies before? All right. So we've got some smattering of experience in the room. That's exciting. So I think I'd like to start by... Having our uh, esteemed panelists here tell us a little bit about their business models just to make sure everybody is clear and understands the differences amongst the three businesses here because they definitely are different uh, and come from different perspectives of the industry. So, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about ArtistWorks and just a a little background and how that works.
1: Yeah, ArtistWorks is a company that I started about three years ago, a little bit more than three years ago. with the idea that I wanted to make it possible for kind of average people to have access to some of the best teachers in the world. And um, I did this because I had some time after I retired from AOL to kind of pursue anything I wanted to pursue, and I really had a struggle finding a decent jazz guitar teacher in the area I happened to be living at the time. And I found myself having to commute to lessons and it was just so horribly inconvenient for me. And you know, the teacher that I was uh, studying with clearly would have appreciated more students. Could he have some ability to reach them? And it got me thinking. And uh, so I came up with this approach where basically we bring in, again, the best instructors that we can find. We subject them to a grueling process where we extract an entire music method out of them they always leave saying it was the most difficult thing they've ever done in their career. It takes between five days to two weeks to do that. And we are in the studio for eight to 10 hours a day with them. It is grueling, but we ask them to lay down everything from the most beginner lessons to the most advanced lessons. And we edit it all up and put it into a site and people subscribe to that website. And the thing that really brings it to life is when you subscribe to these websites, you have access to your, your teachers. You can upload videos to them. Uh, they sit in a queue uh, for the teachers, and the teachers will get to these queues, watch the videos, and create a video response, which are paired together and made available to the student who submitted and all of the other students who subscribe. And so you end up with this community experience of learning where you're learning from your teacher, but you're also learning from what your teacher tells other st- students and then we build a whole social networking environment around that as well so it's a community experience so there's the usual things you might expect like chat and and forums and things of that nature Um, one of the things that's unique about us is we also offer it with family uh, friendly pricing Um, unlike some places that charge because we're not curriculum it's really more adult learning continuing education sort of model so um, we charge for most of our schools 90 dollars for a three-month uh, access to these sites and people just renew and renew and re- renew some people come in for an enrollment period or two Some people have been with their teachers since the day we opened the school And they do get individualized instruction from their teachers and that's very important to us And it was important to me because I found that just trying to learn from videos without two-way uh, experiences Musicians tend to hit these roadblocks or plateaus they call them different things and our approach was an attempt to break that great
0: And, Debbie, tell us about Berklee Music.
2: Sure. My name is Debbie Cavalier, and I'm with Berklee Music. I've been with Berklee Music since our beginning ten years ago. Berklee Music has always been about expanding the reach of the college and providing music education opportunities to aspiring musicians all around the world. This year, we'll teach 12,000 students in about 150 countries. And our model is a 12-week experience where there are about 15 students and one faculty member. And as David described, it's very um, collaborative, a lot of community built around the courses, very high touch with the faculty member. So your instructor will give you feedback on your assignments on a weekly basis, answer questions, host a chat environment where You have a class meeting on a a weekly basis. It's a very robust experience. We invest about $88,000 in every course we develop, and it takes about 10 months to develop that course with our instructor. And as Mike King will tell you, who's one of our course authors, it is a grueling process. But the end result is a very high quality experience. Um, it's all based on Berkeley curriculum, Berkeley faculty, and it's very open. It's continuing ed. We primarily serve an adult audience, ages 25 through 55, but we have a nine-year-old right now taking a drum set fundamentals course, and someone in their 80s taking music theory. Um, we have really helped to empower musicians to further their skills and and go after the, their dreams in music, and it's it's been a really rewarding experience. But the the fundamental piece is that we're we're all about providing access to people who can't uproot their lives and move to Boston and spend four years in the undergraduate program. That's the best case scenario, but for those that that's not a possibility, Berkeley Music is available. Uh, right now we offer standalone courses, either for credit or non-credit, and uh, those are from $1,200 to $1,400 for a 12-week experience. We also offer certificate programs which are sort of resume builders in the continuing ed space so packages of three to twelve courses and a lot of our students have told us that those certificates have helped them to land positions uh, in the areas they're interested in pursuing and we are going to be offering degrees in 2014 so there are so many berkeley close to alumni out there who are just credits away from graduating and, and moved on when that career opportunity happens. So we're going to be able to help those folks complete their degree and also um, provide a solution to to high school students who are looking to go to Berkeley but would like to do it from home or for wherever they live. It's a, a wonderful opportunity. We've also jumped into the MOOC space, and we have a, a Berkeley music presence now. We've partnered with Coursera, so we have free offerings now. If you go to Coursera.org slash we've got all kinds of courses there. And also on the free space, Berkeley Shares. For 10 years, we've been giving back to education through free courses built on our our, uh, tuition-based program. And, of course, the YouTube channel has free, free courses as well, free lessons. Great.
0: Thank you. And, Matt, tell us about Chromatic.
3: Yeah, well, my name is Matt Sandler. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Chromatic. Uh, We're a little bit younger than the rest of the panel, and we take a little bit of a different approach to how we practice, perform, and teach music. Um, So we started about a year and a half ago with the idea that music education hasn't really changed since the days of Bach and Beethoven. If you're fortunate enough to have a teacher, you meet maybe once a week, then you go into a practice room by yourself with a piece of paper, your instrument, and a pencil, and we hope that you come back playing beautiful music.
0: Unless you're... Learning from ArtistWorks.com well, uh, or exactly. right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> But the idea is that we focus very heavily on the uh, the personal experience around music. So folks that are learning in K-12, that are learning in university, that are learning through private lessons. Uh, in the United States alone, you have 16.5 million students in K-12 that are in band, orchestra, choir classes. You have another 2.5 million people in the United States that are actively playing private lessons that – fundamentally aren't getting the most out of their teacher, their experience, or the practice time that they're putting in. So we actually have created a platform um, that's available on iPad or web uh, that simulates what you do with paper and pencil, but makes it quite a bit better and extends the experience. So we actually provide a platform that you can upload your own content, um, whether you're a teacher, student, uh, or performer, and I experience that content within a digital environment. You can annotate on it. You can record with it. You can actually practice perform with the actual reference recording, um, a variety of other things. But from a teacher's perspective, um, it's really where it comes alive. You can actually distribute music to your entire class with a click of a button. We have a smart distribution system that the saxophonists get the right saxophone parts, vocalists get the right vocal parts, et cetera. And we create kind of these mini social networks around your class experience, your private lesson experience, et cetera. Um, you can collaborate and communicate within that class environment. Um, Music has the worst student-to-teacher ratio in any subject area. It's about 80 to 1 in bands, orchestras, choirs, and public institutions. And so music teachers don't actually have enough time or inclination to grade their students on a regular basis. You can't grade music on a scantron. So we provide a way that Teachers and students can actually communicate through the platform. Teachers can grade or assess, give feedback, whatever the teacher would like to do. And so it's a little bit more of a flexible framework. We, as I mentioned, uh, launched in private beta about a year ago. We're live within over 290 music organizations, ranging from UCLA, USC, Los Angeles Unified School District, all across the country, NYU, University of Michigan, University of uh, West Virginia, as well as uh, some shows that you know and
0: love, including American Idol. How are you able to achieve this level of penetration in such a short period of time? Um, You know, I'm a musician. My background is in
3: music and music uh, performance. I've been on stage performing with Herbie Hancock, and I've been a teacher in the Los Angeles Unified School District. Um, One of the things that we did up front was we we made the, the conscious decision to build a product that we knew our friends would love, just so happens that there are 90 million people in the United States that are very similar to our friends. And so we've been very fortunate to get quite a bit of uh, interest from the education community, the performance community, and the high-profile performance community as well.
0: And 90 million, what what does that number represent to you? 90
3: million people in the United States actively play music on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there are numbers around that in terms of how many actives, but about 90 million people in the United States qualify themselves as a musician.
0: Mm -hmm. So, But what you're doing then is actually providing the content for others to work with and teach, and it's it's like a content distribution platform in a way. Exactly. We call
3: ourselves a performance and collaboration platform. We don't specialize in content like the two other folks on the panel. Um, we ex- focus on the experience around the content. It's one of the things that we know, love, and and we know that we can build very well. Um, So we partner with other organizations that provide content. Um, We'll be introducing a storefront that you can purchase content through the platform um, with a variety of publishing partners.
0: And what's the initial shipping platform for this? Is this a free app? How do you actually get to use Chromatic? Yeah, um,
3: so something I didn't even mention is that everything I talked about is 100% free. Um, So we actually uh, have a web application and an iPad application that's launching publicly at the end of the month. Uh, We've done all of this in private beta thus far, so look out for it. Um, But it actually works very similarly to what you see with other collaboration platforms and other uh, cross-platform networks like Kindle Fire or Nook. The content syncs across device based on your user account, all of your annotations, recordings, interactions actually sync regardless of what device you're
0: using. And this beta was what they used on American Idol recently?
3: Yeah, so the entire platform was used in live TV in front of 16 million people on a weekly basis, which is
0: I don't recommend for people's sanity. (laughs) That's pretty cool, though. Talk about deep penetration. That obviously got you a lot of exposure right out the gate. Yeah. Um so uh that being said um Debbie, you talked about the amount of time it takes to produce a class and, and how much you're investing into course development. Yes. Uh, and also, I know, David, you work very closely with your artists to develop uh, high-quality content. What, tell us a little bit about um, you know, what are the key components to creating this high-quality experience for the learner, and what, what, what are people expecting now? What's the bar line in terms of that quality? Maybe, Debbie, you want to start there.
2: Sure. We're, we're very focused on providing musicians with the things that they need to further their career. So we'll survey our students. We have thir- 350,000 registered members. We always ask them what kind of courses would help you with your goals. And from that, we find uh, some courses to pursue. We look for Berkeley faculty who have the expertise in those areas. <clears throat> and then we have a very structured approach with uh, proposal templates that, that focus on the, uh, the main idea of the course, 12 weeks, the 12 weekly themes, the lesson objectives in each of those uh, weeks, the topics, the activities, the assignments, and we put the uh, faculty member through a very rigorous process of, of developing the course with hundreds of videos and uh, audio examples, interactions to help with reinforcing concepts. And we arm our faculty with a, with a team of instructional designers, graphic designers, uh, all kinds of um, support that help the faculty take that content expertise that they have and realize it in a real high-quality course environment. So the process does take between 10 and 12 months, and the end result is a a very high-quality experience for our students that's filled with collaboration and all kinds of media elements.
0: And does the is the instructor required to come to Boston and work in your studio to produce, shoot the videos, and work with you on the actual content creation? That's a process? great
2: question. We have uh, authors from all over the the world. Really, we just did a licensing course with Scott Selwood, who um, is the president of RightsFlow and so for the majority of the course development work he was in New York but he came to Boston to shoot the videos needed for the course so we can work remotely we work with industry experts as well as Berkeley faculty and um, just try to find the best course author for whatever it is that we're offering
0: and is the content shot in HD and does that even matter with web delivery
2: it is shot in HD and it's streamed you know um, for efficiency and we're constantly changing those parameters but uh, uh the end result is we want the technology to be invisible to the to the student so that it, it's consumed elegantly so
0: And how often do you have to update the course content? I mean, with learning piano and learning guitar, I would imagine that's pretty evergreen. But you you guys get into much deeper topics in terms of production and digital audio capabilities like Pro Tools. Yes. So how how does that work?
2: About 40% of our catalog is production-related. So we've got courses in producing and mixing and mastering in Pro Tools, and those courses need to be updated as new versions of Pro Tools are released. But we're also constantly updating, believe it or not, music theory, harmony, ear training as new tools become available. So we recently removed Finale from our theory courses and adopted NoteFlight. We worked very closely with NoteFlight to make an elegant um, interface that that works with our curriculum. So we we never are sitting back. We're always trying to innovate. In fact, the learning environment is always being innovated. We have in-browser recording tools so that the faculty member can provide a lot of robust feedback to our students just with a push of a button, audio feedback, video feedback. Um, So it's... Well,
0: Berkeley's been doing this a long time. Clearly, longer uh, than artist works are chromatic. So, you got into this when the technology was more of an, at its nascent stages. Um, And you built this platform around Moodle, is that correct?
2: We did. Our current learning management system is um, a very forked version of Moodle with a lot of customization, and uh, it works very well for our students. We have been in this business now for 10 years, and we went from an off-the-shelf package to a a homegrown learning management system. Now we're using Moodle, and we are looking at at what's next.
0: Great. David, tell us a little bit about your content creation um, experience and really what what it is you look for in terms of, you know, quality content from your, your instructors.
1: Yeah, we start with a long vetting process to find the right teachers. We'll decide we're going to go and add a particular instrument or genre to our schools. And a long process uh, is undertaken to find the best person to teach that curriculum. Um, what most people in music education know is sometimes the best performers are not the best teachers and sometimes the best teachers are not very well known and since artist works is a, unlike berkeley we don't have a huge brand at this point and so we need to find a teacher with some marquee value um, but we also need somebody who could teach so it, it ends up being a pretty small world to, to get to that right person and, and we think that by and large we've uh, been very successful in in doing that so it starts with that process and then as i said earlier we bring them in um, to To do their recording to our studios in Napa, um, before they come in, uh, I work with them, and some other of our staff work with them to develop their uh, curriculum. We don't have a huge bunch of people like Debbie has, but um, we do go through a very long and, and rigorous proc- process to develop a curriculum because we've we've taken some uh, risk where we've brought in some really great musicians who ha- who want to teach, and who I decide could teach but haven't really taught that much and for a lot of those people they don't really know exactly how to even get started to create a curriculum they've been performing so much they haven't had time to do much teaching so we we, we create that curriculum with them kind of co-author it with them if you will so by the time they arrive in our studio we pretty much have our work cut out for us um, but the curriculum that we put together only ends up being a small part of the total content because once the school is opened and the students start joining and start submitting their videos for critique, every response that the teacher does adds to the curriculum because they are using the example of the teacher of the student to teach to their whole community. It's a little bit like a master class where students come to the front of the class and uh, get evaluated in front of everyone. And so the evaluation, as the teacher is doing that, he might then go to very general principles and, and so forth. So, over time, what happens is this gigantic library of these exchanges between the teacher and the studio uh, sorry teachers and the student uh, develop, and the uh, students can search them, and when they 're studying any one particular lesson, they can look back over all of the exchanges the student has done on that topic and So, what I have come to realize is by the time we 've taken these teachers, through the grueling process of doing the kind of core curriculum, we probably have about half of their knowledge. But by the time they've been teaching about a year, Mm -hmm. the other half is there. And then from that point, it just grows and grows beyond that.
0: So how how much content are you requiring them to produce? What what do you consider um, a a soup-to-nuts experience when you're dealing with uh, a particular instrument and learning that instrument? And I guess the offshoot to that question is, um, genre based learning? Are you applying particular genre based learning to that experience? So, in other words, if it's piano, it's not just I'm learning piano, but I'm learning, you know, I'm, I'm learning classical piano or I'm learning bebop piano. Uh, two very different experiences, obviously.
1: Yeah, I've had a really great experience because I've actually personally directed close to 5,000. Music lessons now. I don't know if there are many people who can say that. That's pretty amazing. And from that vantage point, what I've learned is there's so many similarities between genres. I mean, there's so many similarities between classical music and bluegrass and jazz and rock. Um, and so it's really strange. You'll hear people that have had totally different life experiences as musicians saying the same words. It's fascinating to, to see that. But um, it generally takes, like I said, somewhere between like a small curriculum, like uh, our favorite example is bluegrass, upright bass. Uh You know, the joke is why didn't they go to their second lesson? They had a gig, right? (laughs) So that was a short curriculum. And then we've had very, very long, exhaustive curriculums in violin. Uh, The violin curriculum ended up being something like 400 lessons um, to get... Because, again, you're starting at beginner, how to hold it, how to hold the bow, how to make a sound. It starts at that level, and it goes all the way to playing the most difficult repertoire that might be required for an audition to get into an orchestra, and everything in the middle. So it takes a, a lot to get to that point. I
0: can only imagine. And, and Debbie, does Berkeley go to that length in terms of musical training, in terms of instrument-based learning? Do you take students from kind of, you know, zero to hero through that entire experience that gets you there?
2: We do. And just to go back to an earlier point, I can't agree with David en- enough about the whole concept of collaboration and feedback on assignments. That's a really big part of the student learning experience and they're getting feedback from each other based on the learning objectives and also from the instructor. Absolutely. Um, but, yes, we have basic, you know, um, not really how to hold the guitar. We, as a, as a college, I think we assume at least a year's worth of study before they jump into, let's say, our Guitar Chords 101 course. That's exactly course. what I was wondering. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, there is a, a foundation-level um, course and a lot of free content out there to get folks ready. But we do... Encourage that you've had at least a year's worth of private lesson before jumping into one of our beginning-level performance-based courses. Music Theory 101 is day one, and, and we've got a lot of entry-level courses like that. But it goes from, from zero to a hundred, hundreds and hundreds of hours of lessons. And um, and the, the courses are quite robust, and that's why we give access to them a year after they end, because there's just so much to, to internalize and really learn after the 12-week semester is over. Um, but and we also have tracks within the courses so if you have the minimum requirements to take Guitar Chords 101 but you've got a lot of experience you can do the B assignments while the rest of the class is doing the A assignments and there's a lot of uh, peer collaboration and, and uh, helping that that happens throughout the, the course yeah
0: well, let's talk about that in just a second but I want to just touch on the differences between the two pricing models mm-hmm. here because okay. one is a subscription based one at a much lower cost because you start at $30 a month is that right ArtistWorks
1: yeah um, I'll get to that just one moment. I just wanted to uh, bounce off what she said. Sure. When we approach these teachers and um, tell them we want to do beginner all the way to advance, initially we got a lot of pushback from them. Mm -hmm. They want to teach beginners. Um, I'm too good to teach beginners. That would be, you know, not a good use of my time. That wouldn't be befitting of my reputation. So I said to them, okay, you have a son. Yeah, I have a son. So um, which local music store did you send your kid to to get his beginner lessons? Oh, no, I would never send my kid to the <laughs> local store. I said, well, why? He said, well, I know how to get him started right. Exactly. Exactly. So why would you deprive your incoming students of that knowledge? So we think actually starting at the beginning is is very important. So I just want to clarify that's why we did that. Sure. Um, On the pricing model, uh, the way ArtistWorks operates uh, right now, again, we're a new company, and we're still experimenting a little bit with pricing. Um, But what we've been doing is offering um, $90 for a three-month period, or you can get it even less expensive if you commit for six months or 12 months. Um, so it's very, very inexpensive, especially compared to some of the more traditional pricing models.
0: And that subscription basically opens the gate to access the videos as much as you want while you're paying your subscription model.
1: Yeah, right? from, from day one, you, see every lesson, you can see every lesson, every video exchange, everything is right there. So you're basically subscribing to the entire method. Um, and then what we encourage people to do is, even if they're intermediate or advanced, we encourage them to go ahead and start at the beginning. And what will happen is they'll kind of go through the beginning lessons quickly until they eventually hit resistance. And then that's where they'll really get to work. Um, But by doing that, it gives uh, them an opportunity to work on and remove some of the bad habits they may have brought into it. That's the reason why they've struggled. Again, this is a real problem for musicians is hitting these plateaus and hitting these points at which they can't get beyond. So Um, clearly one of
0: the benefits here is the self-paced learning experience. But Berkeley comes at this more from a traditional academic perspective in terms of having uh, a class time. You enroll for the class. The class is a 12-week duration on average. Is that correct?
2: It is, yes. Um, just to go back to one earlier Please, point, though, yeah, uh, I just want to clarify that Berkeley is all about providing music education opportunities for children through adults, and we do have programs that that are with, for that day one um, in summer programs, you know, from six-year-olds right up through high school and, and into college. But the online school is supposed to be a reflection of the curriculum that's offered at the college. And so that's why we've made a, a distinction between, you know, starting from day one with guitar or starting with courses that you can expect if you were an actual Berkeley College of Music student. So that's I just want to make that, that clarification. Sure. We have city music programs and, and free courses for all age. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So a couple of things I want to get back to as well, because clearly video is a key component to all of this video learning. But tied to that is the social component. So it seems to me... Um,
2: oh, sorry, Greg, I didn't yeah. even answer your, your question, though. Okay, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so you asked in about traditional. In terms of the pricing model? No, the, the, tr- yeah, the traditional and the pricing. Yeah, yeah. So So, um, yeah, we offer... I was offer- going to circle back to that, too, okay. But that's okay. Go ahead, go uh, ahead. We Absolutely. offer fully accredited college credits with each course. So if you enroll in, in um, orchestration for film and television, you can earn three college credits. And we're transferring those credits to... Right now, we've documented 650 colleges and universities all around the world, including Berklee College of Music. So um, although we're a continuing ed program, the, those cred- credits transfer. And it is the traditional model in that it's you know, for credit, but it's non-traditional in that we've sort of flipped the classroom and have this self-paced model with faculty interaction and um, weekly assignments and all of that. So it's sort of a hybrid.
0: Right. So you can access the course content as much or as quickly or as slowly as you want throughout but there are are there assignments and are they assignments due at particular times
2: yes so you'll consume (laughs) those 12 weeks at your own pace but there are milestones there are predictable places where your assignment is due and also as a student you'll know that within 24 to 48 hours of uploading that assignment that you're going to get very meaningful feedback from your instructor and classmates so the cohort goes through the 12 weeks at your own pace but with milestones for deliverables yeah
0: now, do the instructors in that case also have TAs that they work with to help them process a lot of that?
2: No, that's a very uh, unique aspect of Berkeley Music. You are studying with a Berkeley College of Music faculty member. That's where you, who's grading your assignments, giving you feedback, answering your questions, and your classmates. And that's part of the pricing. It's, it's access to a Berkeley faculty member for those 12 weeks, mm-hmm. several times throughout the week. A lot of our faculty tell us that they think the students in the online school are actually learning better than in the classroom, because you're not just getting together for, you know, two hours and people are looking at their iPhones and, and all of that. They're, they're immersed in the content for as many hours per week as they'd like, and that engages the faculty member. There's nothing like adult learners are just so hungry for this material. They, many of them tell us they wanted to go to Berkeley as an undergrad. Their parents wouldn't let them. They finally are able to study with Berkeley faculty. And it's I remember being a Berkeley undergrad and cheering if a class was canceled. It's quite the opposite with adult <laughs> learners. If, if their instructor is a little bit late grading an assignment, we get a phone call. And uh, so they're, they're very, very proactive. They're, they're paying for these courses themselves, and they want... They want results, yes.
0: But you're also using non-faculty member, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, right? It, There's it, faculty members, uh, but how do you differentiate between your ground campus faculty and your online instructors? That's a great instructors? question.
2: So when we identify a course that our students need, we look for on-campus expertise, and if we either can't find that or if the person who has that expertise isn't available, we'll look to the industry for industry experts to author those courses for us. I think we've got about 80% Berkeley College of Music faculty and 20% industry uh, faculty. And we also have two um, income streams, if you will. Our faculty authors earn a royalty on the courses they develop. So if the course is successful, their income stream, their partners with us, which is great. And then they all earn a, a fee to teach. So for Mike King's um, online music marketing with top Spin course, Mike earns a royalty for every student in the course. But perhaps Ian Rogers is teaching a section of that course. So Ian would earn the fee and Mike would earn the royalty. And that's become a a nice model for us.
0: And that's because Mike uh, developed the class content. That's correct. He's Uh the author. He's the author. So he will continue to earn that royalty no matter who's teaching that class. That's
2: correct. And if he teaches it, he gets both income streams.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, good deal, I, Mike. I don't huh? know any
2: other college or university that does that model. It's a wonderful partnership. It was uh, Gary Burton's idea ten years ago, and it's worked out to be a very good thing.
0: Uh huh. And do you do? Uh, do you have a similar deal with your um, instructors as well? There's a royalty component to it, or how how are they compensated?
1: Well, our our model I, again. Uh, hearing Debbie, I mean, uh, her, even the, her termo- her terminology is so uh, academic sounding, like the way uh-huh. the schools. Yeah, I, I was thinking about um, what you said earlier about. Um, you know, uh, Music has been studied the same way for hundreds of years and sort of artist works in a way says, yeah, it's worked pretty good. You know, we're, we're really not trying to change uh, how people learn music. We're just trying to make it more available. Um, traditionally, you get apprentice to a great musician, a single musician, if, you know, who, who plays the way you want to play. And you learn from them because you want to eventually a- arrive at the same place that they are at. So that's our approach. Um, you don't, like, hop around and take courses from different teachers. You lock in to somebody who represents what you want to know, and they, they take you there. And you develop a personal relationship with that teacher over not just three months, but it might be over a year or two years or three years. So,
0: David, tell us a little bit about your patent-pending video technology and, how, and why that's so important to your platform.
1: Well, yeah, we just developed this idea that, uh, again, this has been going on for quite some time. It seems um, pretty familiar now because uh, it's, it's been there for a while. But um, when I started this, nobody was doing this, where students submitted videos, they got put into a queue, the teachers reviewed the videos in a queue, formulated responses that would be made, made available to a community, a community under a subscriber model. So the patent is around that whole process, not about videos per se. Mm-hmm. It's more about using this, this efficiency of, of using the video exchanges in a community as a way for the teachers to teach to a larger community.
0: Well, that's great. That's a perfect transition into the next topic I think we should talk about, which is the, the big buzzword in e-learning, which is social learning. And maybe um, let's start with you, Matt, because I know Chromatic has a big social learning component to us. So tell us a little bit about that
3: yeah I mean, most of the performance software that you see out there is for an individual experience. You purchase music and you consume it by yourself. Um, what we found is that and along with a variety of other verticals, is that collaborating with others, not just your teacher or not just your best friend, but others across you know the the United States or the world um, that are practicing performing similar music to you is actually very beneficial in in kind of leveling up per se. Um, and so what we've done is we've essentially created the first learning platform that not only creates an individual experience, uh, whether you're accessing it on iPad or web, but also can bridge that out into you know these smaller social groups that we're creating around your your personal experiences, whether that be an ensemble that you're playing in or private lesson or a group of friends that you're playing with. Um, very shortly, you'll see coming um, a larger network and a larger social offering that not only can you collaborate with those folks, but you can expand that network into folks that are playing similar music um, that are in a similar pace of learning um, or maybe similar grade and, and instrument. So it's something that we found um, from an academic standpoint is, is very, very sound. Um, traditionally folks learn better from, from their peers or from folks that speak the same language as they do um, and not just the actual like English language but also the way that you talk about music the way that you experience music and the way that you interact with fellow musicians, and that's really, really important, um, mostly because, you know, a variety of people play different genres um, and have different interest levels, Um, and so we found that social is a key driver of what we're doing, not just in terms of uh, your personal learning, but also the interaction of content, et cetera.
0: And when you talk about being able to work, like, within a band group or um, an ensemble, Is there then, beyond annotating the actual music itself, is there a file-sharing component that is added to that? What's that that like? So the entire
3: experience um, from a band director experience is that you you can distribute the music. Those students can then annotate on the music, uh, receive your notes that you push to them in annotation form, um, all the way through students can actually record themselves at home. It's one of the few things that musicians don't do nearly enough that they should. Uh, whether that be through audio currently or video in a few months. Um, And then you can actually push those recordings directly back to your instructor so that he or she can listen to you, give you feedback, next steps, or even perhaps a grade. It's one of the first ways that musicians can actually complete homework assignments or interact with their teacher or music director outside of the classroom or the rehearsal space.
0: That's great. And and could you see this eventually being used for... Bands or, say, uh, producers that are looking to collaborate and then creating a collaboration experience there? Yeah, Is that so a stretch? No,
3: it's, it's not a stretch at all. Uh-huh. Um, the, if you look at the application when, it, when it's launched or what we've done with it, um, it in the space, it's not actually just strictly educational. It can be used within you know an American Idol setting all the way through producers or collaborators that want to, you know, Um, have impact on each other's work. And so we specifically call it a performance collaboration software for musicians because they have a very specific use case and a very specific way that they go about interacting around the content. Mm -hmm. Um, What we found is that it resonates at an
0: educational level all the way through professionals or amateur collaborators. So I want to engage more in the social discussion with you guys too, but I I have to ask you this question now because it's just, I think it might be burning in the back of some folks' minds here, at least it is in mine. Um, How do you deal with the licensing of the music then that's being shared because you are a private for-profit entity and it's not necessarily considered in the educational fair use section? How How do you handle that?
3: Yeah, so uh, I have two different answers to it. The first one being we operate very much like other collaboration software, uh, Dropbox, SoundCloud, etc. cetera. Uh, we put ownership of the user. Um, they have to say that, yes, the content is mine, I have the copyright to it. Um, But on the flip side, we're actually also working with every major publisher that you know and love, ranging from Alfred Music Publishing all the way through Sony ATV to provide content and and content accessibility to to end users. So very shortly you'll be able to purchase all of your content, um, and we're working with quite a bit of digital rights management to send reporting back to to the publishers to make sure that they know that their copyrights are protected um, and have notifications and when they're used within the platform, et cetera.
0: Great. Um, So Debbie, getting back to the social learning component here, um, clearly Berkeley has an amazing legacy as a ground campus college, uh, but the online experience is different, and you're not necessarily selling to the same student there, and this is an international student. How do you uh, address the, the social learning component of that through your platform?
2: the social component of learning has been an important part of Berkeley music from the very beginning. We wanted to replicate what happens on campus with the networking. There's a strip of uh, concrete in front of the Mass Ave building called the Berkeley Beach, and that's where connections are formed, lifelong connections are formed, and we wanted to replicate that in the online school. And so we've got all kinds of tools from uh, discussion boards to collaborative assignments to the requirement of providing feedback and critiques on student assignments throughout the 12-week experience. So there's, the students are constantly communicating with each other, so much so, and they feel such a, a bond with each other that we've actually had students cobble together in Photoshop class pictures of of people from all over the world in a class photo together. So um, we've built some tools that are similar to Facebook where you can like a student's assignment, which draws uh, people together to to communicate about those assignments together. Uh, Instructors can highlight an assignment where there's a lot of learning that can be done together. Um, But the, the feedback and the communication that happens between the students throughout the course is just very rich, very deep. And then those connections that are formed in that 12-week experience continue on through our network for years to come. Yes.
0: So and uh, I know that with David's platform, um, every student has the ability to see each other's project and see the critiques on that. Is that true in your case as well?
2: Every single assignment is public to the other classmates. And so You know, you might be orchestrating a scene from Iron Man with the same sound tools. I did that. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Well, that's an assignment in orchestrating for film and television. And, um, you know, they have the same sample set, the same tools, the same lesson, but everybody's sounds so different. And they're able to learn from each other, learn from the critique that each other is getting from the instructor. So... It's so much more than the curriculum that's presented. It's, it's how it's used and, and the feedback and how that's shared. It's, it's a big part of it. I just want to touch on the copyrights, too. We follow the Teach Act. You know, Berkeley was built on the notion that music can be taught through music of the day, and that started with jazz. And so everything is under copyright, but the Teach Act enables us, because we're password protected and fully accredited, to provide excerpts of copyrights to to um, convey musical concepts, so notation, videos, audio, all of that.
0: Are both those components required to fall under the Teach Act? password-protected and accredited? Yes, and streaming, uh-huh. not downloading. Uh-huh.
2: Yes, so yes,
0: lucky. it's wonderful, <laughs> yes. Now, I'm, I'm assuming uh, both of your content is streaming only, is that correct? Or or can you download uh, the content itself, the the video files, the, the course can content? You download the
2: things that students are asked to manipulate. So here are uh-huh. some backing tracks. Do your improvisation this week over these tracks, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the rest of the content is consumed through streaming, whether it's on your mobile device or on a, a computer.
0: Is that true for you as well? Yeah, right?
1: no, we don't. we don't promote or allow downloading of the lessons. They have to be kind of logged in, and mm-hmm. then they get access to all the content pretty much wherever they are. But we do make it available on mobile devices, iPhones and iPads. And,
0: and how important is the mobile device delivery component? Do students really want that? Is that a big component to this? It
2: very big component, very, yeah. yeah. It's
1: growing, I would say. Um, we, we were very uh, excited about the iPad in particular because it fits on a music stand. Uh-huh. Um, and so if you think of learning music... A lot of people where they're where they're interested in playing and learning music isn't the same place their computer is. Um, you know, their computer might be you know in a in a study area or in a bedroom somewhere, whereas they like to play music out in the living room. So uh, the nice thing about the iPad is you can just put it right out there wherever the music is, or right, you know, out on your balcony or whatever. So yeah, and if Go you ahead. even look at uh, California grants. Uh, the largest teacher
3: grant that in the technology space that's being written today is actually for iPads in the music classroom. So it's actually a really interesting uh, trend that you're seeing more and more. We're actually the default application for Apple, Apple education for band orchestra choirs using iPads in the classroom. So it's something that not only do folks like us really gravitate towards but especially digital natives if you look at anybody you know in high school or under their expectation is that everything is delivered digitally but more to the point actually mobile as well Um, they experience their
0: entire lives in the mobile space
3: and so why is music an exception
0: so i can't help but think that you know google's made a huge play in the publishing sector to digitize as many books as possible and make them searchable um, have you had any discussions at all with what could potentially happen with sheet music and its searchability? Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: um, sheet music
3: is a wide open space in a lot of ways. Um, uh-huh. We don't just necessarily classify it as traditional sheet music, how everybody would would kind of look at You know the staves and piano music Um, we actually have built our own proprietary file format that renders dynamically anything ranging from sheet music to lyrics chord changes tablature etc these are all bundled with audio and um, for the most part fully searchable and and a variety of other things so we're working with a variety of partners to
0: help further that process Mm -hmm. I would think so that's great Uh, before we open it up to questions, I know there's some questions out here in the audience, I imagine, Um, I'd like to just touch on uh, one other concept here that I think is important um, and something that uh, obviously you all have scalable models to a certain degree. And where do you see the biggest uh, growth markets for you internationally? And maybe we'll start with David and just come right back down this way.
1: Well, right now, um, we only offer courses in English, mm-hmm. um, but do we ha- you see that as
0: a limitation I, I well, i'm certainly. not sure that it is well, well, certainly it is
1: because not everybody in the world speaks english mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but we do have students um, subscribing from about fifty five countries uh, and a lot of countries where they aren't speaking English, so I guess a lot of people know enough english to to get by you know a lot of countries they teach kind of English because it's a bus- language of business these days. So there's some English available, but also you know music is kind of a universal language. So I think a lot of people actually study, and they don't quite know what the teachers are saying, even, but they can watch and learn, you know, with their ears and their eyes in this approach. Um, so so we're already uh, a global company, uh, but we are talking about uh, with some some Asian companies about doing some partnering. To have sort of an artist works Asia mm-hmm. where we might offer Asian languages, and I can't really say more than that at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but because Latin, we Because we don't Latin really America? feel like we have the the ability ourselves to do it, but we could partner with somebody and, and take it that way. So, Asia
0: is your primary focus in terms of growth, then, if I understand you correctly? Well,
1: our primary focus is English. Yes. But uh, I'm just talking you, you asked beyond English what would be next. Yeah. I would say Asia next. Okay,
0: great. Thank you. Uh, Debbie?
2: All of our courses are only available in English right now, uh, though I mentioned before that we did partner with Coursera. There are some free Berkeley courses available on Coursera, and they are all closed captioned and available in all languages so from that we 'll learn you know where the demand is and, and perhaps look into localizing some of our Berkeley courses online. Berkeley College of Music just established a presence in a school in Valencia, Spain. And so um, Spanish would probably be the first language that we would go after in the Berkeley Music Online space, but there are no immediate plans for that. Uh, and the biggest growth area for our business, I would say, is the the degree program that the degrees that will be rolling out in the fall of 2014 online degrees.
0: Great.
3: Yeah, and we already have uh, instructors and students learning through Chromatic in, I believe, 12 different languages. Um, the application is very limited in terms of the actual language that we provide, again, it's up to teachers, students, music directors to create their own content and use Chromatic as a distribution network. Um, one of our large growth areas that we're taking a look at, you know, ranging from Asia to Europe to South America, are large potentials for us. Um, they learn very similarly in a variety of ways, um, but even to a further extent in Japan, for instance, every student is required to take music as a core curriculum concept um, all the way through high school. So we believe that it's a really interesting growth opportunity, especially in structured learning environments.
0: We have just enough time to take some questions, so yes. Sorry, I missed the Sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I think it's wonderful that you are really using the social potential that is so important to, to keeping, especially teenagers, engaged. And my question is, uh, does your software also allow live uh, cooperation, so playing together? So is it, for example, good enough to do that? For example, through Skype it's impossible because there is a time gap between the picture and the, and the, and the, and the sound, and the sound, qual- sound quality is not good enough either to really do, do it uh, uh, at all. So I'm wondering if uh, your software
1: has a function like that
0: that's a great question because it is a topic we didn't really touch on we talked a lot about the video file exchange but we didn't talk about live interaction with the instructors themselves who wants to jump on that
3: I can jump just
0: quickly. Um, almost
3: everything that we do is fully asynchronous, um, so there there is no synchronicity yet. Um, the the idea behind it is again, to your point, uh, latency issues um, and a variety of other things are, are limiting factors. Uh, what we have found is that um, actually graphic elements, so live whiteboard sessions and things like that, are really interesting, um, and that's an area that we're looking to to prove out early on to see if what synchronous models work in that world.
0: Debbie.
2: The online school Berkeley Music does not currently offer that, but Berkeley College of Music has an Internet two connection with our Valencia campus, and there are real time ensemble performances and um, instructor led um, classes and sessions and workshops and all of that. Um, le- that's led by David Mash, our, our senior vice president for innovation and strategy for the college. And it's quite impressive, but not yet in the online school Berkeley Music.
1: Yeah, um, you know musicians um, woodshed, and um, any of you who play. Musical entrepreneurs know that. And so there's a lot of time you have to spend getting better. Uh, and so ArtistWorks really helps with that aspect of learning. is the witch-heading part, you know, the, the private lesson part, the getting better part. All of our teachers tell their students, now that you've mastered this thing, get out and jam with your you know, local people. Uh, so all of our sites are all about uh, nourishing musicians so that they can go out and play live. Um, in terms of doing it virtually, virtually. Um, the latency is just uh, you know, a huge problem in music where you know, milliseconds matter, uh, timing matters, and it's very difficult, you know, short of an internet to connection, which we don't have available, and most people don't have available, and most people won't have available you know, for a long, long time. Um, so we focus more on the witch getting better part, and encourage people and teach them how to approach other musicians, form groups, and play together.
0: So no go-to meetings, no webinars.
1: <laughs> well, we do live you know, live chats and things like that. Sure. Just so they, for the social networking part, is fine. Uh-huh. It's just the actual performing part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, question.
1: It seems like the education space in general is a hot area in technology. And uh, I'm personally starting a startup to do video education in music. Uh, and I'm interested to know what you guys think about the landscape in terms of Funding and going out and finding people that are interested and in who are, you know,
0: sort of the popular and bigger players in terms of helping innovation in this area. Well, Matt, you got funded recently, so why don't you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so we've publicly raised over $2 million from a variety of venture firms, ranging from Learn Capital, the largest education based venture capital firm in the United States, all the way through Mitch Kapoor, Dave McClure, folks from the Carnegie Hall Foundation, Royal Conservatory of Music, LA Phil, uh, Bruno Mars, and a variety of others. Did you get um, all that? Yes. Yeah. So th- th- <laughs> those are people that those are people that I, are clearly interested in the space. But I would say that education technology has immersed recently in in the venture scene, and they're kind of going uh, hand-in-hand with folks that you've never seen actually invest in education before. Um, The reason behind that is that education has traditionally been a very difficult model to sell to. You have to go door-to-door to to sell to administration. Then administration gives you a whole bunch of red tape that you have to walk through. um, And then eventually you get maybe paid because schools don't really have a budget. Um, The really interesting opportunity here, I, I think, is what we're hearing um, you know, online distribution of content that's as good, if not better, than the content that you get in the classroom is rich and ripe for um, innovation. And I think people are putting their money where their mouth is, specifically in the music space. You're looking at a $28 billion plus industry in the United States alone. And
1: so that's a pretty big area.
0: <laughs> David, you want to touch on that?
1: Well, uh, ArtistWorks, is, is, uh, we funded it ourselves, so we're kind of bootstrapping ourselves into existence. So I can't really speak too much to the outside investment world except to say that a lot of people are approaching us and trying to give us money. Um, and, you know, we'd love to have their money, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you look at the conditions often that come along with you know that money, we really have a very clear vision of what we want to do, and uh, we're reluctant to give up control, any, even, even a small amount of control at this point. Um so uh the fact that we are getting people uh, contacting us might be a good indicator uh, for you yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: you want to contribute to that sure, sure. so mm-hmm. we 're at
2: Berkeley College of Music in Boston is a not for profit uh, though we have been propositioned by a number of our online students to do uh spin off project funded uh projects but I would uh, suggest looking at the MOOC space. I think that's where, where things are really happening. Uh, not so much for music. We're the first player in that, but um, the for-profit entities like uh, uh, Coursera, the not-for-profit like edX, there's Udacity by Sebastian Thrun. Um, MOOCs are massively open online courses. They're free. A lot of people are seeing that as a, uh, solving a problem in the cost of higher education, the video-based instruction, and um, they're, they're getting a lot of attention right now. Yeah. Um, our, we and put Berkeley, up our, our... Berkeley
0: Media. Yes, is that the company that drives the online training? Yes. So different than Berkeley College of Music. No,
2: it, Berkeley Media is just a, a division within the college. Uh-huh. So we're all part of the same nonprofit. Yeah. So oh, so
0: the online classes are not a for-profit institution? No, no, institution.
2: no. Even though it's a .com uh, back in the day, no, okay. you can't have two .edu addresses associated with any educational institution. I see, okay. So uh, someday it'll probably... that. Yeah, uh-huh. so it's a not-for-profit. But we put up our Coursera courses on September 19th and have 50,000 students enrolled already. So awesome. a lot of eyeballs on that.
0: So guys, we're unfortunately we've run out of time. I'm getting the end here, so... Um, Thank you very much to our esteemed panelists. This has been very educational. Hope you guys enjoyed yourselves. Thank you Thank you.